0: Welcome to the Bold Lawyer Podcast, hosted by me, J.D. Hoover, owner and founder of Bold Patents Law Firm. This show is for attorneys everywhere looking to grow and scale their law practice. It's also for those aspiring to someday hang their own shingle and it'll also be helpful for those that are still in law school or looking to transition from another career. I'm going to have guests on this show, attorneys that founded their own firms that will share their story and talk about the ups and downs and some of the gold nuggets they learned along the way. Come join me and learn a thing or two about the business of law on the Bold Lawyer Podcast. Me? <laughs> good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Bold Lawyer Show. That was Matt Colseff, My Hello. Matt. Good afternoon.
1: I was sorry. I choked my mustache.
0: <laughs> Goodness sakes. Um, so good to have you guys all here. We're, we're live. We're across Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube this week. We, we got Facebook back, which is awesome. Um, we're doing the Bold Lawyer Show today, which is focused on attorneys, and you've got at least the two of us, and we have one backstage, very special guest, my brother, Austin, who have been waiting backstage. We'll bring him on in just a few minutes. Um, this show is for you, the attorney, the lawyer, who is maybe in, in a big firm, maybe you're thinking about hanging your own shingle or climbing that ladder to become partner and owner. Uh, we're interviewing owners of law firms, entrepreneurial type attorneys from all different types of backgrounds, um, and that's what this show is all about, so pulling out kind of that. You know, how did you get started? What what sort of brought you into the law? What are you doing to grow your own practice um, and serve more clients? Uh, Matt, anything on your mind this week you want to bring up?
1: I hired a new paralegal.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: So that, that's super exciting. So I have been like... Incredibly productive this week. <laughs>
0: so yeah, right.
1: And, uh, and she's doing she's doing great. But I am super excited to meet your brother. So yeah, my dad always used to joke about my brother, he said one of us was smart and the other one was good looking. So <laughs> my question to you is,
0: which one are you? Oh man, Ozzy's pretty good looking guy. We're just talking. Let's bring him on. All
1: right, I'll I'll let you me. know what I think.
0: Awesome. Oh, yeah. hey. you're
1: definitely better looking than you, and, and
0: smarter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah, he's got that nice little yeah. kind of the flannel going, the fall fall it's colors flannel, out. Yeah. yeah, he
1: belongs up here in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, Lumberjacking, <laughs> lumberjack. lumberjack. No, I'm yeah. actually thinking about being a cowboy for I think for you know Halloween. Halloween because I have nothing else. That's all I could do. That works. That works. Oh yeah, happy Halloween, guys. Oh, thank How you. Happy yeah. yeah. How many people are watching this? We've got one live viewer, <laughs> one live, and that is, we don't get to see the LinkedIn streamers. So <clears throat> that's someone on, on YouTube, verified individual, uh, non AI on, on Facebook. Uh, so please, we're, we're, oh, we have two now. We're going up. Go Anyone inventors. have questions? We ask you to encourage you to ask questions here. Yeah. We'll take that as a priority as we go. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but often
1: we are, we are trending. And this this might get <laughs> dozens of views and listens. Excellent, dozens. good
0: to know. Dozens. Glad I could help you trend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> congrats <laughs> on your paralegal hire. That's huge. That Thanks, means man. you must it's be uh, making something. Over
1: there. It's my third paralegal, so hopefully this is hopefully I can keep around for you know quite a while.
0: Paralegals are amazing. They're a rarity and they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good ones are so mm-hmm. good for you. Yes. Well, okay, Aussies, uh, Austin, counselor, I'll, I'll be sure to, you know, here, the general guide here is we're going to interview you. We want to hear your story about, you know, what drew you to the law um, and what brought you to your, your, the practice that you are now an owner, part owner in. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. you the main partner at uh, your firm, TCDH, um, and we'll, we'll start there. So let's talk about your journey as an attorney. Uh, so what what sort of draw you, drew you toward the law? And uh, we'll start with that. Well, my degree, my bachelor of arts was useless. And so (laughs) ending junior year at the frat, um, I was like, well, maybe I should figure something out post graduation. So you and I decided to do a night course and learning the LSAT, which is a terrible waste of money. (laughs) Um, We each cut a check for a thousand bucks, this fly by night, learn the LSAT situation. Uh, We both took the LSAT. We both scored poorly. (laughs) Um, but, you, were, you were higher than me I'm mean, <laughs> Yeah, by yeah. like a nose yeah. And uh, long story short uh, I applied to UW Didn't get in And my backup One of my backups was Willamette And they offered a scholarship Willamette's actually a great place to go to law school Down in Salem, Oregon So I took that opportunity And I just went big I went bold in Willamette uh, Basically like going to high school again Because it's just so small And Salem, I mean, what do you do in Salem other than study and drink? Um, Just kidding. Salem, Salem's great. Um, And so I did that for three years. I lived in Salem and uh, what was hot coming out of, you know, 2012 to 2013, of course, was bankruptcy, as you probably know. You know, we had the recession and kind of tail end of that, but they had done a bankruptcy was hot and that was only private sector job and or at Salem, Morgan that was paying anything right DA's office didn't want me i actually prepped to do public defense because that's i did uh, some legal pre you know law squads to ends up i was a public defense investigator for a second but uh yeah i ended up working at a bankruptcy firm and i loved it you get a lot of exposure to numbers there's some accounting in there um federal law so you get some you know state law federal law mix because you get state exemptions versus federal exemptions versus federal law and how that applies and helping people, you know, Hey, you're, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. We, there is a path for you. You're not going to have to lose your house. Like yeah, or, there's no,
1: there's no debtor's prison anymore. Right?
0: No. No, I mean, you. If you don't, yeah. If you if you don't show up to a debtor's exam and you're ordered to, you could be held in contempt. But that's. (laughs) There you go. I never had that, but yeah, it's good. I mean, um, there's some sad times, you know, people losing everything, and literally, they, you know, we're we're advising them how they how to walk away from their multiple houses, and sad. But anyway, that was fun. I did that for three or four years, and then, you know, getting out of law school, my wife at the time was already back in California. I decided California before my three L year. I'm going to California, so applied for the bar, took the exams, a three day bar, and got a bankruptcy job in San Leandro, which is in the Bay Area, um, working for Steve Jacobs. Uh, it was a struggling firm, but he, you know, we we worked through. I worked with him for a year. I did some litigation, so I got interested in bankruptcy litigation, and then I got an opportunity to do insurance defense litigation with my current firm about 10 years ago. So I started doing insurance defense, which for those who don't know, we're paid by the insurance company to represent their clients when they get sued. So that's what we do. We do a lot of auto and do a lot of auto premises, some neighbor disputes, boundary line stuff. And we do some insurance investigation work. First party, they call it first party where you're just investigating a customer's claim. My car was scratched up for the fifth time Right. It, what it was my my neighbor, you know. It's like no dog. Like you're just a, you just want to check because you scratched up your car. <laughs> you know, it's like we're gonna figure out what happened. We're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have someone with a camera to follow you around and see how you see what's up. So, you know, I'm not. A, I first party insurance work is great. Actually, I don't mean to. It's it's actually really good work, and I did some of that, but. That's what I'd like to do is third party litigation. So trials, arbitrations, you know, litigation. So that's what I do. I've been doing that for about 10 years. And you and I talk, but just for maybe other people that are listening, insurance defense. Um, another good example. Is it true that you're, you know, let's say auto, like an auto incident? Is it true that for the most part of the cases that go to trial, when do they pull the trigger and hire someone like you? What what causes an insurer to, to say, you know what, we're going to go to bat? Well, you um, if you don't have the file yet, then that would come from an in-house counsel, and either they're overloaded, there's a concern about conflicts, or it's just it's the case is too hot to handle, and they want to get it over to someone that does trials, and that's what we do. You know, we we do get referrals from in-house counsel late in the game. We get it early game. You know, we do pre late cases where we're just trying to settle it or find out the value or do we tender the limits or do we do we make an offer below it do we what are we doing and so you know we can we re-injected it in many different areas along the way but yeah we do we get files before trial absolutely and we just we get in there and try it if we need to and try it to a jury all the way and you know do we Sometimes we've handled appeals in house. We can do, we can send them out if there's an appeal and, you know, as far as collection goes, we'll go as far as, you know, getting a judgment against the plaintiff and recording an abstract and then shoot it, shoot it back over to the company and say, you need to find some collection attorneys. Cause we don't do this because we're not going to collect, but yeah, we've gotten, you know, we, we, that's as far as we take it from pre-litigation all the way through trial, monitor it. We'll do post-trial some post-trial work post-trial motions all the way through appeal and back down we've done we've been remanded before to do more stuff after appeal so the full freaking kit and caboodle (laughs) litigation yes and these are not complex cases These are mostly auto and like i said premises like slip and fall we'll deal with those so the 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 subject matter isn't always as complex at, at first blush but when you get into the medical we have live, you know, duty breach, causation, damages. 99% of our cases are negligence. So, was there a duty? Was it breached? Are you negligent? I mean, that means is there legal liability? And then, causation, did we actually cause injury? Oh my gosh, this is going back to law school. That's okay. the second. That's the second. <laughs> my eyes just like, glowed. hold on. <laughs> this sounds like real lawyer stuff. Hold oh on. Like, you know, this is what we do. So, you, you get like, for, so for liability, you get accident reconstruction expert sometimes you know you're getting other experts on liability and then you you know causation did we cause did we actually cause any injury at all you get a biomechanical expert to measure to check out the black box data in the cars help us arrive at the delta v or the change in velocity of the plaintiff so some engineering gets involved
1: then you have the medical
0: side nature and extent of injury i.e damages we get doctors from all ilk of all sorts to come in and You get some real real, real quack doctors get in there and get in there and and say their piece about these crazy injuries. People allege all sorts of stuff, exacerbations of, you know, diseases that have nothing to do with traumatic injury. They say, oh, you know, my X, Y, Z disease got worse because I was pumped from behind. It's like, okay, well, now I have to hire an endocrinologist and I have to hire, I have to have you examined by this quack and, you know, see what they have to say. So that's what we do. Okay. So you you sir, you've done something I certainly have not. I don't think you've done this M- made partner, made ownership in a law firm. Can we talk for a bit about that? We have some people that are listening and some folks that may follow this. We got like three listening, absolutely. After the broadcast, we've been- got <laughs> so so
1: not only made partner at, at a at a firm, you've also, you know, actually litigated in federal district court sounds like.
0: like in you bankruptcy, said, yes. You said the
1: magic words like may it please the court.
0: Yeah. I, I got to be in there. I got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It was fun. Cool. It's, it's good. fun. I, I, get, I
1: get scared just thinking about that.
0: <laughs> oh, I know, but you know what? It's no, I mean, yeah, I've done that and, and it was a small firm and my, you know, it's not, I haven't had to work up the the ranking on like a big firm, which is a much greater time commitment. Um, okay. But yeah, no, it, yeah. Basically I, you know, I did, I put your, put your dues in and, you do your work, and you you ask you ask for more responsibility, and you basically you know, that's what I did. I kept asking, "Hey, I want this deposition. Looks like you're busy. Why don't you let me handle it? I'll do this motion. I'd like to do this. No, I actually would like to argue it. No, please, I'd like to do this." I think you should do this, and then you start. You start suggesting other things to do. You start suggesting more work. You start rolling. Just take. You just start taking the case from the partner, and you're like, <laughs> "Oh no, I got to cover, buddy." Just, oh, yeah, I'm good, you know. And you just—that's how you do it. It's taking ownership, just like you would take ownership as a solo. You just start taking more ownership over the things that you can do, and looking for the next thing. That's why I always tell associates is like. I don't need you to task. I need you to learn how to feed yourself and keep the ball rolling. If I ask you to send out interrogatory requests and you bill 0.1 or 0.2 for it, that doesn't help me. What helps me is you review, it, review the responses when you come in, you meet and confer and you get really good quality responses from them so I understand what they're claiming. What is the wage loss being claimed? What are the damages being claimed? What do we What are we going to put in our report to the carrier in three months about what this case is actually worth? Right. And, yeah. be, and then the next, the best or the better associate says, not only am I going to do that, I'm going to start writing that report and you're going to just have a draft of it in, yeah. before it's due. There you go. And that's a shit ton of billing for them to do. And you just you just created value. Because you get to go, you get to work on your trial. You get to, you get to take that plaintiff depot you've been prepping for. You get to do the fun stuff that you need to do. Cause I still have to bill. That's how you do it in my firm. So I get to bill, I get to do the things I really, really, really need to do. And I have associates creating value and learning the practice invested in the practice. Yep. Not in a way that's threatening to me. Love that. In a way that builds uh... my value.
1: Right. when i was in law school i worked at a i worked at a big patent litigation firm and uh, that's exactly how it worked all the associates all the interns paralegals externs whatever right all we did was the the day-to-day stuff you know and the partner his job was to be spoon-fed information and stand <laughs> all he did you know like, he just like what do i need to know like spoon feed me right and then He's the litigator. He's the big guy. He's the big shot.
0: Right. 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 That's me
1: Now Now you get to be the big shot and people spoon feed, spoon feed
0: you. Right. But I want my, I want the, the associates to do that. So I let them do, <laughs> I, I let them do stuff. I probably shouldn't let them do. And that's okay. Cause my practice is like, I, I mean, I, I mean, 99% of things can be fixed. Right. Right. You know, that's not always the case in every little thing we do, but like, Uh, This isn't a transactional practice. You have to live the practice to do it. These people have to take depositions or else they're not going to be, they're not, it's not sustainable value and they're not going to have any buy-in. And, or, I mean, I guess if I could find an attorney that would just do discovery that loved it, that would be great. But humans, (laughs) humans aren't like that. Like, you know what I mean? And I mean, I wish, I wish uh, I could have a paralegal just do discovery and some firms do that, but their billing rates lower. Mm-hmm. and I need an attorney. There's some things an attorney has to do. A lot of these discovery, the things you're doing, they're asking for your legal contentions. What are you contending? And state all facts, witnesses, and evidence. Why? It's like, I can't have a paralegal do that. Right. Shit, I can't even have an associate do that. Because <laughs> I have to look at that and be like, this is all under oath, and it can be read to a jury at trial. So this mm-hmm. needs to be right. So it's about that trust. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you know. I hope, I mean, did, so is that why you went off on your own, Matt, so you could kind of break free? No, from- I went
1: off my own because I, I couldn't get a job at the big firm. <laughs> you know, I was working at this big firm in Minneapolis doing IP, right, and then, you know, 2008 happened, basically, right, <laughs> and there was no there was no jobs, right? So I did, um, when coming out of law school in 2011, my first job, I started my firm, right, and kind of tried to side hustle and build up my trademark practice, but the second thing I was doing, I was working nights doing document review from oh, yeah. 4 30 to 1 30 in the morning downtown minneapolis you know coming out at night you know with all the homeless people you know all the drugs <laughs> <laughs> that was my life for a couple of years until my my practice was big enough for, for me to focus on that
0: that's awesome yeah i think i i i've always had an interest in doing and being an owner and i took a the building a law practice class in law school actually and it was great Wait,
1: can you make those
0: yeah, it's yeah. like a two-credit, credit, wow. credit no credit. Yeah, it's like a credit. It's like, it okay. was it was, and then at the end you present your like law firm idea. So, let's talk about the business of law a little bit, Austin, uh, for a couple minutes. So we're we're do a critique of a pretty cool show I like. Um, so let's do this. Your your partner, um, obviously, I would like to speak freely if you can be a little vulnerable. Here's the question: Do you see yourself, you know, eventually? staying with the firm and growing it, or maybe launching into your own practice? And if so, why are why not? This is my practice. I'm going right. to be doing this until I'm not working anymore. All right. So why? The answer. Why is because... I made this decision a while ago when, when I got equity in 2019, I, there were very specific terms. And one of it is that we're going to run the firm this way and we're never going to go back. We're going to be profitable always. We're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that we're hitting our hours. We're going to deliver a quality product. And this is what, you know, we're going to try cases if we, if we need to, we're going to be that firm and so far it's gone fine. And so this is my firm. That's you a know, lot of trust. You said, really you, you, you know, got other owners with you, right? So that's a lot of trust in others. <clears throat> it, it is, but, you know, I trust my partners and that's the thing is, you know, it's, it's tantamount to a solo practice at this point for me, um, you know, and so, I mean, but I, 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 so I think, you know, it's going from solo to this the side, which is if I'm not solo, then there's, you're in a partnership. That's pretty much what you're in. You're basically a solo. Um, and the higher, the more, the further you go, the more you're seeing the fruits of your labor, theoretically, or the opposite. You, if it's bad, it's your fault. You know, if things are good, it's, I guess, good for you. Right. Okay. This is my solo practice. So this is your practice. What are some of the things you're doing to grow it or sustain the profitability? What do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Uh, I see myself having um, maybe one or two more associates. Optimizing cost control, really um, making sure that everyone knows what they're supposed to do. I think managing associates is huge, and managing costs. Um, you know, managing our lease, our lease costs, our overhead. We're luck. Thank goodness we've gone remote. Yes. Um, but we, still a, we still have a brick and no, we still have a brick and mortar in Pleasanton and a year on the lease. So. Yeah. You know, we have things to I think I, I think I'm, I'm I'm not a proponent of full remote quite yet. I do think I'd like to have for my practice is good to have a conference room access so you can whether that be temporary or full time, what we'll to figure that out. I would like to be fully remote. I would. But okay. my, we have to have trial like the, the the Superior Court of California, which we do our trials in. They're still requiring paper binders. And we still have some clients that are elderly that need to be seen in person. So either you're going to their house or you're going somewhere that's not at your office to meet them. Yeah. The positions are 95% remote in California, but some of them need to be in person. So conference room nice. Got it. Anyway. So these are oh, the yeah. things to think about. Cost control. I think in five years, consistent profitability, um, more profit, obviously. Um, but You know, we're not a we're not a we're not a Vegas type practice. There's not going to be some big contingent fee we get. We're not going to have a million plus extra dollars some magic you know magically at the end of the year. So you work for every fucking thing you get in in this practice. We are live. It's an hourly billing practice. You only get. You know, no, I, I appreciate your your candor. (laughs) <laughs> you know um, that's you know no, that's awesome that's, that's and so like you know yeah to to march the marginal value of each profit level comes at the sweat of like four people like because remember every, to build a mountain you got there's dirt coming off the side so like you you build you get another associate yeah that's potential x hundred thousand in revenue but you have costs Not to mention their salary, payroll, and it's not like their assistants are providing any, they're not a revenue engine. So you have this, like, you're building the tree and, you know, it's.
1: Yeah, you're the revenue engine, right? And so it's just a matter of freeing you up to grow the practice because you're not going to count on an associate or apparently to do that for you.
0: No, I mean, they, they need to hit their numbers or they're out. Right. That's, that's what you say. And that's really hard to live that too. It's like, well, they've been doing well here, but then they're not hitting here. It's like, there's a human aspect to it as well. But you're right. It's like, you know, at what point do you, you know, and then recruiting, like people don't want to do what I do. People, millennials and Gen Zers don't want to do insurance defense. I don't think. You never know. I mean, for the right price. You're right. Not I mean we not, not pay, fair, Yeah. I mean it's about fair yeah, pay, being paid fairly, fairly compensating your people. We can something. figure
1: out what Gen Z wants to do, period. Let me know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Man. I've
1: interviewed so many paralegals of that generation. <laughs> and I'm 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 38, you know, but it's a different deal, man. All
0: right. We're in the to... flashing news. We're gonna go switch over here. I'm gonna share my screen. We're looking at one minute of a news clip and then we're gonna get a response here. We'll keep Austin on, of course for something that's been in the news. It's about three months old now, but it's it's a hot topic here related to lawyers. Let me share a screen. Here we go. Basically, how to use ChatGPT to ruin your legal career. <laughs> okay, let's have a you guys check the audio. Can you tell me about a lawyer who f- around and found out? I'm sorry, I can't find the information. I'm only up to date through 2021. I have the information right here. Oh, f**k. So, AI is going to replace lawyers. Well, not anytime soon, because it finally happened. We've had our first sighting of AI lawyering in the wild, and it was, um, it was bad. It was very, very bad. Two lawyers in New York uh, deputized ChatGPT to do their legal research in an airline tort case, and found themselves in a direct flight to sanctions land, courtesy of one very pissed off federal judge.
1: These guys may have ended their legal careers uh, for a case which was always dead on arrival, and along the way, they became internet famous, uh, bringing the entire legal community together to point and laugh as one. So, thanks,
0: guys. <laughs> All right. Let's get some reactions here, guys. Um, do you, Austin, use any type of AI in your work? And how do you avoid ending up in sanctions land? And I've hit tab while typing an email on Outlook. Is that- <laughs> hey. I mean. Um, on that's interesting. Okay. That's, I mean. I love that. Let me know if that's you an have any questions. <laughs> tab. Oh. Or whatever it is, yeah, the auto suggest, but that, that is, yeah, right, yeah, it's totally valid. Love that. I hadn't heard of that. Has that come up before? Have you had associates question that? I mean, do you question the use of that in any way?
1: Oh, you're I, reading
0: it. I absolutely <laughs> don't question it. I mean, if it's words that I would have, if I, if it's words I would have used, yeah, you know, if it's, if it, you know, if it was unprofessional or not my voice, I wouldn't use it. But yeah, I mean, you know. It's just um, In this case, then they go on, of course, that video goes on to talk about, you know, how it's pretty common to use it for things like discovery. Is that something you've ever done? You know, where you're actually using. No, but lawyers already do this. Right. By using something called a template. Right. A template
1: or we just basically (laughs) copy the work we've done in the past with a template or we go find another attorney who's better than we are. We copy what they're doing. Right.
0: Exactly. And one time in (laughs) bankruptcy court. I ripped off a brief so hard on my friend, Andrew. I actually credited him for writing it in <laughs> because I didn't want the judge. I wanted the judge to know that I know that the judge knew because it was the same judge and it was a very recent filing. It was over a controversial issue of how fees and stuff would be paid in bankruptcy. So when in doubt, you know, so, my, it, I didn't care. I just, I'm just going to cite it. Like this was part of a brief in this case before this court, just so you know, know but that doesn't really answer the the you know the the chat gpt thing i don't know like i haven't used it i don't have experience with it i want to judge i don't know if we should be judging but at the same time um you know it is what it is and it's a developing technology and you know i'm glad it's i guess i'm glad that someone got caught for using it but like also you know it's probably being used Outside of this example in the legal field, and I don't know where I don't use it, but I, I it, think folks use it for blogs in the legal. Yeah,
1: field. that's, that's a, something yeah. I see a lot of or I hear a lot yeah. about. You know, you I'm, know I'm, I'm about bankruptcy law.
0: You okay. Know? Yeah, I had a guy call me today trying to trying to talk about. He wanted to have our firm be a test beta user of his AI software. For that's, probably
1: a, that's probably a hard no <laughs>
0: right there. I gave him a nice maybe. In fact, hey, is it free? Okay, sure. We'll try it. I mean, because it's it's research, right? You plug in keywords and it will go through and look at the you published USPTO patent docs. Is the result going to be as good and thorough as what Brandon, our guy, can do? I'm hoping not, or I don't know what I'm hoping. So what I actually told him is that, you know, I would like Brandon to go look at this and give me the truth. Of, hey, is this actually going to re- provide results that are as good or even close to what he does. Maybe he can save some money and do a higher volume at the same amount of time. And it's the same result for the client. Um, and who knows, we could pass along the savings to our client if we're feeling, uh, you know, generous and, 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 you know, not so greedy. Um, and this, he also mentioned patent drafting. I mean, it is when you're pulling an invention out talking about the specification, you know, details of an invention, and you're sort of wanting to make sure you're not leaving any details out it can be quite helpful mm-hmm. right just think about hey i want an internal combustion engine but have the attorney describe that as generally as possible is a little bit mechanical and robotic I mean, it's been discussed before so if you just plug in a few paragraphs about this is what an internal combustion gen- engine looks like and then you add in a few extra paragraphs to talk about what's unique and novel about it that could save time so we were talking through some things like that I Was like, okay these are, this is pretty unique um, and yeah, I can see the value of that, I and mean, te- from a technical writing standpoint. I
1: um, mean, I
0: think that to the extent that AI can be used to help to help on businesses that have a flat fee, you know, that do flat fee work. Yeah, I mean, we do. We have flat fee files. So oh. It, oh, you're saying billing. billing. Okay, you're saying hourly billing, but you you still do that while yeah, fee. yeah. We we have some flat fee work that we get from carriers. It's it's not the majority of the work that we do, but we do have some flat fee work. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'd like to say our flat fee work is indistinguishable from the hourly because we're trying to provide value, you know, but, you know, chat GPT, I mean, it, it's, it's like, yeah, everyone has like a reaction to it. But ultimately, it's based on like AI. And I don't think that we should be afraid of it. I think we should figure out what's there. And if people want to offer products that are tailored to attorneys that, that, that understand our ethical obligations, then great. But someone's got to look at it and read it yeah. before they send it out. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I the problem. That. Yeah. It's like if we give ourselves an autopilot, are we still going to be the person behind the wheel? That you know. Yep. That yep. we got to be home. You know, we, we there's no such you know, and like also we don't want to devalue our practice, and we don't we don't want to provide a lesser quality product. We don't want to impact our own monopoly, which whether you want to admit it or not, the legal monopoly is valuable to people that have a license. Right. And so we want to uphold that license and create value. And if we're using questionable software or methods of doing our job, like the public's going to find out. And that's, you know, and like this little article, like someone got their hand caught in the cookie jar and it, you know, and some firms, some people may benefit from that article. Some people may not because there might be some firms genuinely trying to look at AI as a solution. And why should why should it be so prejudiced? Why are we being so quick to judge? I like that. Love that. You guys, at the end of our hour, Austin, if anyone watches this uh, after the fact or even those that may have been seeing it live, will you be willing to share your email address Then them to reach out and touch me. Uh, ab- absolutely not. No. Um, no, you can find me. <laughs> No, I don't know. Okay. You can find me on no, you, yeah, you can find me on the state bar website. But um, I would be they, they, if they want to send you a question, that's fine. But very good. Uh, I like that. You're not an advertising, advertising person. Advertising I'm doing online. this. I'm doing this for my for you guys. pay you. So for you guys. So no, we're not going to be plugging anything. Oh I do insurance defense, so it's not. Well, you know. All right. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you. And if anyone has any questions for Austin, you may touch base with me. My email address is jd at uh, For all those out there listening, we're here every week, Tuesday afternoon, talking with attorneys, bold lawyers out there making a difference. We'll see you next week at two o'clock Pacific. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Austin. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Thanks. Yep. See you.